It's Independence Day almost. How many of you have to work on Independence Day? I'm just curious. A few of you? I want to thank you, and we're going to think of you as we rest and have barbecues. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to. I know sometimes we have to do that, but it is nice to see you. I know that we have a number of our regular gray sites who are traveling, and they're out and about. And a number of you are traveling, and you made it to Milwaukee. So it's nice to see if you've made it here, and we pray for those of us who are away, and uh, that they have a good holiday and all that sort of thing. I just want to burn through a couple of quick announcements. Um, for those of you who come to our Tuesday morning prayer, we have Tuesday and Thursday morning prayer. It's actually a very cool time. If you've never been there, I want you to know it's a very cool time. We pray for half an hour. It's a tight prayer, and we primarily pray for us as a corporate family, as a body. And we'll pray sometimes for specific needs if they're going on, um, but for always for the direction that God has for us, and we would walk in it. So there's not going to be a group prayer this Tuesday. It's going to be individual prayer, which is my way of saying don't come here. <laughs> pray in your home or wherever you like to pray. Because Tuesday is the 4th, and we won't all be here to pray with you. So please pray in your own, but pray, pray, pray. We, you know, God says it all through his word, and we believe it. This congregation was established in prayer, it is maintained in prayer, and it will move forward in prayer. So keep praying, but on Tuesday, do it on your own. And then um, I just want to... Well, this is a really, I'm a, little, I'm a little bit jealous. I'm not totally jealous. Our ladies' ministry, they do lots of stuff. I'm kind of jealous of those fun things. Now, I'm not jealous because it's the ladies and I don't really want to go. But I am <laughs> jealous for the things that they do. And I know that there's a function coming up and there's a card in the back talking about this function. I think it's a movie night. So you've got to read the card. Later on you hear more announcements about that. And finally, I want to acknowledge we have kind of a special visitor today. Um, and uh, David Mata, would you just wave your arm? Where are you sitting at? Just wave your arm, David. We love that guy. If you are a gray site, you've seen David before. David leads a ministry in Mexico, and our congregation has been connected to this ministry now for over 20 years. A long time. And Pastor Frank has gone down. Yeah, I know it's a long time for those who have gone more than 20 years ago. Um, but Pastor Frank has gone down a number of times, and he... It still has a close-knit relationship. We as a congregation really appreciate this ministry. What they do, they have a big tent, and they live in, they travel all through Mexico in a big tent, and they invite people to come to meetings near about the Lord, or they hit the streets and they share about the Lord. And it's a, it's a powerful, powerful tool for kingdom growth. And lots and lots of people come to know the Lord. Lots of people, are they refine who the Lord is and what the Lord is about. There's ministry in the team for the people who live and travel together, and there's people certainly in all the places, there's ministry in all places they go. Um, a number of other folks have been connected to this as well. Now, David leads it currently, but Johnny Stahl is here, and she, she and her husband led it for a number of years. James Stahl is here with his wife, Floor. I know both of them were obviously in the ministry. Um, I was with James a long time ago. James, where are you sitting at? Just so I know. Okay, you're, you're in the corner. This is, this is just a fun memory for me. So, now, more than 20 years ago, we were someplace, and the first time I think you came to Wisconsin, I saw you speak Spanish. James doesn't look Spanish. James, James has my coloring. So, you know, we're, we kind of sun bleach, you know. But I saw him speak Spanish in a in two group, but there were people around who didn't know that he spoke Spanish, and they, they whip their heads around and they look, because here's this white guy, really white guy, <laughs> Speaking Spanish like a Mexican. 
really, really well. Anyway, David, we are honored to have you with us today and worshiping with us. We appreciate your ministry. Next time you come to Milwaukee, I'm going to make you come up here, okay? You're going to have to share, so get ready. All right. So it's Independence Day. It's our time to remember we have a great country. Amen? We are hard-pressed to really complain. I suppose as Americans we can complain about our country a lot like uh, families complain about things that are going on in their family. You know, like, uh, Mom and Dad, you didn't spend enough of my birthday present. You know, I can complain to my parents because it's family, but I love my family. And by the way, my parents always treat me well on my birthdays. I'm just using that as a silly example. But the, uh, in America, we love it. God has blessed this land from the very beginning. He has blessed America. Um, there's been a lot of neat things that have occurred from this country into other parts of the world, spiritually speaking, even naturally speaking, a lot of inventions and a lot of very positive world impacts. And to be an American today, I think, is a tremendous blessing. And even though we see challenging times in America, we know that God is still God. And he is not done with America. And we're still moving forward as a country. Two, I think 241 years ago, that declaration was signed, the Declaration of Independence. And that was a bold statement. But I do thank God for those men that signed it back then. I was thinking about that. We know John Hancock put the largest signature right in the middle. And we knew at the time it was an act of treason. If they would sign this document, it could be caught and put to death. John Hancock, of course, he puts his name right in the middle, nice and big. And I'm thinking, well, if I had to sign that declaration, how large would I sign it? (laughs) I'd want to sign it, like, way in the corner with a big arrow to John's name. (laughs) Take him first. The least I could give. So, I want to talk something about this morning, and I want to use kind of a scripture to springboard us. Well, let's just read the scripture. Go ahead, Brad. 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. And the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times. All right, now we're going to pause here. I want to tell you what this is about. David is on the run from Saul. Saul is trying to chase David around. King Saul is trying to chase David and kill David. And he's on the run, and men... Soldier, fighting men, capable fighting men, they show up for David, and they want to support David in the cause. Over 160,000 men. Strong, fighting men. This is good, right? So the Bible takes the time in 1 Chronicles 12 there to, to lay out where these men came from and some of the rationale to why these men came to, to join David. And here we're reading about the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. This group, the sons of Issachar, this group was the only group in 1 Chronicles 12 that actually knew and had understanding of the times. They knew what to do in these crazy times where their king is trying to kill somebody that they loved. They had understanding of the times. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. So they had 200 chiefs, all these soldiers, but what calls them part in the Bible is they, had, they knew what to do in the times. I think... <clears throat> That's a really neat perspective for us to always be aware of our times. The times that we're in, the times that are ahead. We know the disciples, they asked Jesus, go ahead, let's read it. They asked Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 1 through 7, and he, this is Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be, the things that you had talked about before, all that's going to happen later on. for the sake of our discussion, it doesn't matter what all those things are, but they, they said, tell us when all this stuff's going to occur. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? 
You know, I just want to stop here. This is kind of a funny question to me. They're sitting with Jesus. And they said, what will be the sign of your coming? That is a little silly, isn't it? How are we going to know that you're here with us even though you're here with us? <laughs> no, it actually means a little bit more than that. You know, it's talking about him coming in, his, in, this, in the kingship and all these types of things. And uh, anyway, they wanted to know, and Jesus answered them. See that no one leads you astray. There's an answer. How do we know when, when, what the sign of your coming will be? And before he even answers their question directly, he says, be careful that nobody leads you astray. When are you coming? Be careful. It seems like they, they almost don't seem to fit, right? But that's what he says. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes at various places. All right, so this morning... Everybody duck. This morning, we're just going to take a little bit of time to try and see, truly see, we're going to look at some scriptures and see where we are in time. Are we in the last days? So we went through a couple of the, the qualifying questions there, or qualifying, or we'll say early descriptors of this. Uh, wars and rumors of war. Uh, don't be alarmed. Uh, kingdom against kingdom. Famines and earthquakes in places. This is not a hard end times message. I just want to look at our place in history and validate it against scriptures. And by the time we're done today, let's see if we think that we're in the end times. Does that sound reasonable? Now, some of you may be leaping ahead. You may go, oh, I already know that answer. Come on, slow down. <laughs> we haven't read all the scriptures yet. Let's do it together and get through them and see how we do. All right? So before we get into this, wait for me. If you're anything like me, when you read a slide, when a slide goes up, you read it while the guy's talking, the presenter's talking. Have you ever noticed that at work or in church or anything like that, the, pre the presenter's sharing? So just wait for me. We're going to talk through these points that we're going to look at in the slides today, but I want to get a sense of what the scriptures say. We don't have time to look at all of the verses on end times. In fact, it, it would take hours. When I, I started working in this message a while ago, and I've spent hours and hours and hours looking at these verses and what the scriptures had to say, and I wanted to go back and make sure the context, I was understanding the context of the verses right. And there's a lot of time in this message, and uh, there's no way to look at all the verses. I mean, there's verses about times in history in, in Amos and Zechariah and Malachi and Joel and Isaiah, Psalm, Genesis. The first mention of end times that I could find is actually in Genesis chapter 49. And Jacob is talking to his descendants and he's saying that all, all of you other tribes essentially are going to bow to Judah. And we know that Jesus came from Judah. So he was talking about you know what's going to happen later on. So there is more mentions in end times in the Old Testament and in the New than we would have the time to read this morning. So I just put abbreviations up. Are you ready? All right, let's validate. Go ahead, Brad. Last days. 2 Timothy 3.8 says there will be direct and active opposition to the faith. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Is there, do you see direct and active opposition to believers? 
Now, we can look at it from an American perspective, or we can look at it from the whole world's perspective. There are more countries in the world that if you're a believer, you can be put to death. I had a great conversation with a man from China who had six congregations, Chinese congregations, and my dad knows who this guy is, from a conference, and he's a Chinese man who had planted these and was doing some really neat works, but he had to be very, very careful on how he shared faith. The Holy Spirit was doing really cool things, and their congregations were growing, and they couldn't advertise and they, couldn't hardly, they can't hardly talk about what they, what they believe. They can't share it in a broad sense in the community. There's all kinds of restrictions on them. The government knows that these churches exist, some of them. They know that some of them exist, but not all of them. They're not allowed to start new congregations. And they're in fear always of, of, of the law. Iraq, we know, and Iran, if you're a believer, oh my goodness. And if, you know, if you're a Christian, you're not even allowed legally to visit Saudi Arabia. But this is all over the world. And in America, we have our own challenges with this. We don't see people put to death, but there certainly is direct and fierce opposition to churches. There's regular opposition. In fact, there's a group in Madison. They've been around for, I believe, over 20 years, Freedom from Religion Foundation. And they spearhead much of the movement to separate faith from government. And they're a major catalyst. And they started way back in their early years. It was a, it was a woman that started it. And I believe one of the very first things they ever did in Madison was to buy uh, bus advertising inside the buses that talked about separate state and government. <clears throat> right here. Just, and now it's a nationwide effort, and they get lots of funding to take this message out. Direct opposition against faith. Believers will cease in the faith. But they're going to think they're still in the faith, but they're actually being led by the adversary. Now, this is a funny thing, and I think this is something specific to our times. I'm seeing this a lot. I think that you are too. Many of you are too. There's a lot of people who we know they used to walk with God. Then they started to getting into some weird beliefs, but they still think that they walk with God. There are whole churches, even in our area here in Milwaukee, that have shifted. In the time that I've known them, the church used to believe and teach good Bible. Somewhere in that time, they shifted from good Bible to weird wackiness, and everybody stayed in the church. And they believe some very bizarre things. Things that they think are appropriate for believers. And I don't want to, it doesn't make sense to list all those things now, but we're seeing whole churches shift from good Bible foundation, what the Bible says about certain things, to taking on more of an interpretative sense. Well, it feels like we could do this, or it feels like we could do that. The Bible doesn't give us the green light to follow our feelings, the Bible gives us a green light to follow what it says to follow the Lord. So we're seeing this more and more. Last days, many believers will fall away and hate one another. Do you know? <clears throat> okay, now please. Don't look for this. It will hurt my feelings. There actually was a, a site out there against me. I know. Some of you are going to be, hey, let's check it out. <laughs> You'll hurt my feelings. But there was. There was a website against me, against the things that I taught. And it was a, it, it was a very sarcastic website. Lots of cynicism. Lots of sarcasm. You know, maybe it was a Facebook page. Was it a Facebook page, Judy? Well, I'm not telling you then. You've got to find it in your own. You know, but it was all because of what I believe in the Lord. It's an interesting thing to have a site dedicated against you. Has anybody ever had that before? Oh. All right, there's one guy in the back. Just or me, and one, me and my son-in-law. Well, I started that one against you. <laughs> 
I love my son and all. He's a good man. Believers hate other believers. The crazy thing is they think they're right. They think they're okay. They think it's okay. They're missing this whole concept in John where Jesus said, you'll be known by your love, not how much you bash other people. Last days, lawlessness will increase, causing the love of believers to grow cold. All right. I read this, and I read this, and then I spent a long time on this verse. It has two meanings. The first is pretty clear. Lawlessness lawlessness will increase, causing the love of believers to grow cold. There's going to be bad things around. It's going to make people grow cold. That word love is agape. That's a God-given. That's what we desire and aspire to. That's the first Corinthians love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. That's the kind of love we're supposed to have for all people. We're supposed to be patient. We're especially supposed to have it for other believers. Sorry, so let's translate this, this verse now. Let's translate kind of this idea. Lawlessness will increase. Have you ever been cut off by anybody? Have you seen those people? You're driving and they rush through the red light and they turn in front of you. Have you been in a Walmart, say, in Florida on vacation? <laughs> And you're pushing a big cart full of stuff and you just can't wait to check out and somebody pushes two carts right in front of you. Two carts. Do you remember that, Leah? Do you remember the body odor? That's the truth. Have you ever had somebody do something so ridiculous to you and you just want to walk away from them? What is your problem? And you want to walk away. Has that ever happened to anybody? My favorite, and I'm sure this is some of your favorite, when the person in the other lane goes in front of you and slows down. Oh, yeah. ah! In this verse, what it's talking about, lawlessness will increase. People will do things whatever they think is good. They're gonna, they do whatever they want to do. And a, cism, a cynicism will occur. It will make our love grow cold. When somebody cuts me off, if I get out of the car and I see them, do you think I want to tell them how much Jesus loves them? (laughs) If you, something happens to you, do you want to rush over to them and say, I can't wait to tell you about the gospel message? (laughs) No, that's not what occurs. We think, oh. It makes it very challenging to share our faith when people do whatever they want to do. And in the last days, this will increase. Lawlessness will increase. People will do whatever they want to do. It will increase. Even in my life, it's increasing. When I was young, I would stop and hold the door open. My mom and dad, they would say, you know, hold the door. Here comes somebody. I hold the door open for them, right? Now, it's like a free-for-all. Have you ever seen the places? This is totally a tangent. Have you ever seen the places like there's two doors? There's an outer door and an inner door, right? So you're at an outer door, and you open it up. And you start to walk through, and then you realize there's somebody opening the inner door, and you have to try and figure out how to go around them. Back in the old days, it was really easy because people would hold doors for each other. Now that still goes on, but less and less and less and less. And it creates kind of a cynicism, and it's hard to share faith, that agape that we need to have. There's not an option for us to have this love. It's a command. Jesus is very clear in scriptures, love others as I have loved you. Okay, next slide. Teachers appear, in the last days, teachers appear, and they say that marriage should cease. Right now, there's all kinds of challenges to marriage. 
But there is actually, literally, and I found in Scandinavia, go figure that in Scandinavia, there are some groups out there trying to get, get into this concept that maybe we should just toss marriage altogether. Let's just let people decide and define and do whatever they want to do and as they grow older. You know, God gave us marriage. We have no time. No, It is not our right to redefine marriage. We just define it what God says. It's his invention. It's his creation. There's a purpose for it. Last days, teachers appear stating people should only eat certain foods. Now, this is kind of, this has a, this has two key points to me. The first is, I like meat. If, if somebody would tell me I, could, I only have to eat meat, I would find this, it would be very disappointing to me. I really do like meat. If you don't like meat, hey, that's your deal. I like meat. I don't want anybody to tell me I can't eat meat. I, like, I had a steak yesterday. It was delicious. <laughs> I like fish, also delicious. So I like this food. There is a movement right now, and we heard a little bit about it indirectly last week from Dan Juster, who spoke here, a visitor, visiting speaker spoke here, about, this, about these people who uh, believe that, that all people, Jews and Gentiles, should follow kosher law, the biblical kosher laws. In other words, don't eat pork, shellfish, don't have these lobster, don't have... And they think that the Lord is requiring, and this is a, a realization that they have. It occurred 2,000 years ago, and there was a big debate about it, and they realized, Peter and the apostles and those guys realized that they could eat whatever. And it's starting to reoccur, the same debate is starting to reoccur now. In fact, there's lots of religious leaders starting to say this. Too many religious leaders are starting to say this. Teachers appear stating people should only eat certain foods. Actually, if we would read verse 4 in that passage, 1 Timothy 4, we would read that God made all things. It's okay. We can eat it. It's okay. But right now we're seeing more people bring up this idea that we shouldn't eat things. And it doesn't make sense. The Lord himself, clearly in the words, it's okay. Last days, like the last days of Noah. These, that's a literal, that's a quote there, like the days of Noah. There's no concern for consequence. So Noah's an interesting man. For 120 years, he built this ark. For 120 years, he would share, hey, watch out. Watch out, everybody. Be careful. The Lord is very unhappy. You have to be careful what you're doing. Repent. Turn yourself back to the ways of the Lord. Noah was only 10 generations removed from Adam. Just 10. Those folks at that time had an understanding about God that was much clearer uh, through the lineage teachings. We're many, many, many generations removed. So Noah's talking to a group in, in large ways that knew bits and pieces of God. They knew what God was about. We know this. But they didn't listen. There was no fear of consequences. No fear. Like the days of Lot. says this in Luke. Lot was part of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, several other towns. The Lord came and just Ride those towns um, because, and we know this in Jude 7 because of sexual immorality and strange flesh. This is, this is a gay lifestyle, among other things, too, but it's gay lifestyle. We're seeing things happening today that we haven't seen since the days of Noah gay marriage, not just the relationship, but now marriage. What do you think? You think we're in the last days? Now, a little bit I had a biased perspective when I shared this today. 
And I've got to tell you, there's an element of this that uh, it scrambles. It, 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 it takes me some time to process. I'm a thinker. I like to stew in this. If you're like me at all, there's a stewing time in this. And we could stew a lot in the negative. In fact, in this last piece here, the days of Lot, the sexual immorality, there's, there's this big movement in America and it's moved through the world that, you know, love conquers all. If you just love somebody, that, that's a good enough, you know. Love trumps hate. Love conquers all. Have you seen these advertisements? And I, it's hard for me to get my head around that. More and more churches are taking on, not all churches, but there are churches who are taking on the idea that it's okay to be in these mixed marriages, homosexual marriages. That's what I mean, mixed up marriages. And uh, it just doesn't make sense. And they say, well, Jesus loves, so we should love. And Jesus is a really, you know, he came to give us all love. And we keep hearing this love word. And it's used all this love kind of way. You know, Jesus loved, we should love. God is love, we should love. And they keep quoting love, 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 love. Well, yeah, we're supposed to love. But there's also a justice in the love. And we also know that Jesus is going to come back. And while he loves, and he lived a, a supremely sacrificial life, which is a lesson to us, he is more than just a sacrificial lamb and a bunch of love. He's more than just a Jesus of big hugs. Could you imagine that? If Jesus came back to take over his kingship and he just hugged everybody? Hey, hey. But the churches that teach Jesus' love and we should love everybody, that's kind of what they're saying. They're saying, you know what, if we just, you know, if we just love, you know, we just love them. And they, they misuse that. We're all over the place. Jesus is more. Go ahead, Brad. Jesus is also a judge. Psalm 2, verse 9, you shall break them. This is talking about end times, by the way. Psalm 2 is a great end times chapter. There's a lot of books in Psalm that are great end times prophecies. Psalm 2, verse, ti- verse 9, you, this is Jesus, shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Does that sound like somebody who's going to hug him to death? Jesus is going to dash him with hugs. Isaiah 11.4, He shall strike the earth with the rod out of his mouth, this is Jesus, and the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. He's going to kill, what? Do you mean to tell me there's not just straight love there? Psalm 110, verse 5 and 6, The Lord is at your far, or this is Lord, this is Jesus, this is another, he's prophesying about Jesus again, The Lord is at your right hand, he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath, which hasn't occurred yet. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. This is the part of message that is kind of serious. He's going to crush them like bugs. He will shatter them. We need to love, and we, we need to love to get people ready for these days. Because bad times are coming. Okay. If we stopped here, it would be a really morbid ending, wouldn't it? <laughs> and I have been on the fence. I'll tell you, this was, a, like I mentioned, there's a lot of information. This is where I wanted to stop. <laughs> and I, I thought, man, what a downer. Happy Independence Day. <laughs> I can't stop here. So... For these next few minutes, I just want to think about the good in this. Okay? So let's look at a verse. Go ahead, Brad. Isaiah 60. This is a prophetic verse. Now, I want to say this. 
this verse is speaking very much about Israel. But there's a concept in this verse that we can apply. Okay? So if somebody says this verse is talking about end times, whoa, no, it's not. It's speaking about Israel. But there's a concept, and I'll tell you that in a minute. We can apply this to us today. The verse is this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will will be seen upon you. When things are bad, this is the concept. We see this in other parts of the Bible. I just like how this verse said it. When things are dark and things are bad, the Lord is always with his people. That is the concept. There may be times here that are challenging in the earth. Maybe where you live. Maybe in that country or in that country or that country. I know in Nigeria, in some of the Muslim portions of the world, it is horrible for believers. But God is with them. He's with them. We know in the end times, there's going to be people who walk away from God. Jesus said, don't let anybody deceive you. But we also know there's a tremendous harvest. There's a, oh no, somebody made a bad choice, but wow, look at this great choice. We watch out for ourselves and we watch the people come in. This is pretty straightforward, isn't it? So there's darkness, but there's light. We know in the end times, there's miracles. Big miracles. Now, I actually believe a lot of miracles are happening in other parts of the world. I don't think we see many of them in America. I have a personal belief on that. I don't think America as as a country has a tremendous sense of urgency for the Lord. I think it's easy to prioritize all the things we have to do in the day and give God what's left over. If we put God first, I think we'll see God move more. Amen? As America I'm talking about. Now, other parts of the world, they need Him in more dramatic ways immediately and they put them first in other parts of the world some people just need food some people are worried and praying for their survival or the survival of their family but there's tremendous things that happen there are the blind are being healed the deaf are getting their hearing back there is many many documented accounts of people being raised from the dead in america we have all this medical cynicism oh yeah prove it but there are there really are out there people have been dead for three hours there's tremendous revivals. The growth that's occurring in the harvest is amazing. I, I forget what African country. I think it's Nigeria. I think it's Nigeria, although I'm not sure. They have, they have a, they've preached to hundreds of thousands with these PA systems that just go on and on. They just jam all these people in a space. And when they have an altar call, people to come forward for salvation or forward for healing, they bring them up in buses. Isn't that something? In America, we don't hear about it, but it's going on. The Lord is, a, he is on the move. These are the end times. This is what we get to look forward to. Seeing the Lord heal, seeing people come to faith, seeing the Lord use us, and all of it leads to this dramatic event that's taking place in our lives where the Lord is perfecting his bride. He wants the strong to survive. That's a hard way of looking at it. But it's true. He doesn't want a mamby-pamby bride. When I asked my lady friend, my wife, when I asked her on our first date, hey, you want to go to a date with me? Yeah! She turned me down three times. But finally, she fell for me. She agreed to go on a date. And the more she got to know me with my animal magnetism... The more she fell in love, and she was all for me. 
<laughs> the same thing with her. The more I got, well, I was really hooked in the beginning. I'm like, yeah. It was pretty easy. But the more we spent time with each other, the closer we got. Make sense? Why would you spend time, or why would you want to get close to somebody that doesn't spend time with you? The bride, he, he, Jesus is looking for people to spend time with him. This is our time with him. For some reason, and maybe we can ask him someday, he picked us to be alive right now. Maybe it would have been easier if we were alive 100 years ago, but he didn't put, make us alive 100 years ago. He gave his life now, today, in this time in history, in these days. I believe the last days. And he said, get to know me. Get yourself ready. You're going to see cool things happen in your life. I'm going to do things through you. It's going to be great. It's going to be all over the world. I'm going to connect you to family in Pennsylvania. I'm going to connect you to spiritual family in Mexico. Illinois. I'm going to connect you to family everywhere. And we're going to have some good times, you and I. Now, this is my Jim's paraphrased version, but this is what we get to look forward to. So, yes, there's dark days. But the bride is ready and getting ready. We see miracles and we see people come to faith. I've got a lot of family members. Not, not so many. I've got a few family members I would like to see get saved. Some I don't care about. No, I'm just kidding. Kidding. No, I would like to see my family members get saved. I would. Do you have family members you'd like to get saved? All right, all right. Now, let's be honest. Who doesn't? Who has family members they don't care about? No, don't. Just, you've got them too. But we need to see these people get saved. Share faith with them. This is exciting. This is our time. He picked us in this time. He picked the old people. Right, Dad? <laughs> That was not so funny, though. I know my dad's face. I'm not going to look at him anymore. I'm going to stand over here. He picked young people, right, Colin? Yep. I'm not afraid of you. But this guy over here. So, amen. This is our time to watch the Lord move in ways that the earth hasn't seen in many, many years. He picked us. He picked you. He picked me. To be used in this day. It's pretty exciting. I'm not afraid of the last days. I think they're going to be a little rocky. And they certainly are challenging. I mean, I hope I don't get any more websites, any, any more anti-gym websites. That was not very exciting. But this day is for us with Him. So if you would, please stand up. And let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for whatever reason for giving us life in these days. Because, Lord, we know that you are with us. We know that you lead us. You guide us. You enable us to do all that we need to do according to that calling for your purposes. Lord God, I'm excited about this here in this church. I'm excited for everybody who's here today. We hear this word. We know what your scriptures say. And, Lord, we pray for greater revelation how to act in it. We pray for greater revelation how to share how to encourage, Lord God, how to persevere if that's necessary. Always, Lord, that we would see the path up the way. So thank you, Lord, for all of this. Thank you for the promises and your faithfulness. 
Lord God, we pray for safety and travels this week. I know there's a lot of people who are coming uh, back from vacation or heading home from vacation. We just pray for a good time, refreshing time for everybody, Lord, and safety. But above all, that we see that that path that you have before us, to always be sure of where to go, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Please come forward for prayer if you're looking for that. Hang out and stay for fellowship if you're looking for that. And have a good 4th of July. Very